As always, we are joined by Philip Malloy uh, for movies and television. Well, I say as always, Philip, you mm. know what I mean. George is normally here. I did get a text off from earlier saying, tell Malloy no spoilers. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense, yeah. I mean, he when, whenever he has nothing to talk about, whenever he can't think of what to say, he actually says, don't give away any plots or spoilers or whatever, you know, that's the way he goes on. Uh, well, anyway, Richard has texted in to say, looking forward to hearing Philip complete an entire sentence without constant <laughs> petulant interruptions from George Hook. So I, I'll try my best to provide uh, such y- constant petulant interruptions, but I, I'm no way at the same category as George. You've obviously some fans out there, Jonathan. <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. I think three of them have texted in all three. <laughs> uh, we were talking about dating, by the way, and I, I thought that the, the post-it note on the fridge was the worst breakup story. But uh, someone else says, my ex decided he was moving to Australia. He broke up with me by unfollowing me on Instagram and leaving a bag of clothes outside his house. He never spoke to me again. We'd supposedly been in love, but there you go. That's a bit hard. How would you know if somebody unfollowed you on Instagram? Do you get a notification because you don't on Twitter? Anyway, two more interesting and, uh, Mm. well, obviously that was interesting to that person, Mm. but two more interesting movies and television. Mad Men is coming to an end. You must be in mourning. I am, yeah. Yeah, no, I am. After 92 episodes, uh, obviously Mad, Mad Men was a groundbreaking series. It, it was one of a, a whole collection of great series from The Sopranos, uh, Oz onwards, uh, you know, suddenly emerged from cable television in America. And uh, this was, uh, there was a, a variety of cable companies. One was AMC, and this came from AMC. And uh, it, uh, you know, as everybody knows, it is an absolutely extraordinary series. It, I've never heard before of a series that actually navigated a whole uh, decade. And this went through the 60s, women's lib, the um, civil rights movement, the moon landing, the assassinations, JFK, Martin Luther King, uh, Robert, Louis, uh, Robert uh, Fitzgerald Kennedy, and, and then uh, Vietnam, of course. And, uh, and, you know, all the characters then in their way, uh, they've all moved into the next decade and they've, uh, I've, I've, I've actually seen the final, uh, episode. So I won't say, I won't I was, say. For the love of God, yeah, don't say what happens. <laughs> I, I won't say any more than that. Began, as you know, the series began in, uh, the 19th of July, 2007. Uh, and at that time, I remember, um, uh, us, I remember myself and George in the old studio, uh, the old news talk studio actually talking about it. Uh, and nobody, as far as I can recall, nobody had heard about it at that stage. But yeah. right from the get-go, it was it was clever, it was funny, uh, it had strong characters, great plots, and um, I just loved it. I, I was I, I, all through it. I was a huge fan. And just by the way, to say um, uh, it, it ends with a one-hour, fifteen-minute oh. episode. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for you to say something that's going to ruin it. Go on. One hour, fifteen minutes. <laughs> one, episode. one hour, fifteen minute episode called "Person to Person," and it's written and directed by the creator of the series, a fellow called Matthew Weiner, and um, that's pretty much it. Then, okay, you're very well, yeah. very restrained, Philip. Yeah. Well yeah. done, well done. Now, th- this is going to leave a void in many people's lives. And actually, to be honest, I'm actually at a bit of a loss at the moment to start a new series because mm. we've caught up with Game of Thrones, so we're watching that live as it goes out now. Um, we're still catching up on The Good Wife. The Good Wife is like a warm blanket in our house. We just keep retreating to it when we run yeah. out of other stuff to watch. Well, I can understand so, that, yeah. yeah we're on yeah. Series 5 of that. Where do we go next? I mean, well, I started watching Madam Secretary on, on Sky. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm into it yet. No, no, I've seen a couple of... And uh, 
um, they, they're doing to some extent uh, what the newsroom did in that they're they're keeping abreast of sort of plots um, in international affairs and dramatizing them. And generally speaking, I like that actress Tia Leone that plays Madam Secretary. And there's some very good sort of character actors in supporting roles as well. Uh, but one that I'm very, very taken with is The Affair. Yes, uh, I started watching this as yeah, well. Yeah. It's very again without giving away the mm. plot. It's it's telling a story at least it has so far mm. from two perspectives. So yeah. you get kind of the same story told twice in each episode from mm. from a unique perspective and there's something going on that we yeah. don't know yet. Yes, what it well is. there's there's an investigation by a detective going on for one thing. So um he he's obviously something has happened which we don't know about. And that's on uh, at nine o'clock I think it is tonight and it's it's the third episode. So people and there's of Ten, although they've actually renewed it, by the way, for a second series. So it's a HBO show, and um, and generally speaking, they they, they do quality. Um, no, programming. the standard is very good. It, yeah. it's, it yeah. stars uh, your man from The Wire, uh, yeah. Dominic, Dominic West. West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's in it. But the the one thing about that does that not fill you with fear when they renew something for a second series? Because we know there's something going on here. But does that I, not I see mean... Your, I, no, I see your point. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you, it's, you, I mean, they're going to drag it out. So it, they reached the end mm. and now they're going to drag it out. Like Poldark. I mean, Poldark was a classic example of that. Mm. You could see if it had been not doing so well in the ratings, there was a lovely opt-out point at the end of this series of Poldark mm. where they were left standing on the top of the cliff. But, but and, y- and, then he was, and then he was arrested and, and, and brought away as it would have continued in the first series. Yeah, the only thing about that is that they, I think there's about um, uh, 11 or 12 Poldark books and they only covered two of them um, in that first series of eight episodes so I, I presume they have something else they, they must have a fair bit else you know yeah no well they're definitely getting one more series uh, um, uh, but, but just explain ca- just to, to, to oh, your, your point there your point yeah. there I think it's a really good point that uh, okay it's called The Affair it's on for 10 episodes and you might you might say to yourself that it's the kind of mini series idea that would work well in a 10 episode sort of arc but as as you say they've, they've decided to renew it for, for a second one so it makes you wonder uh, it, what have they got and is that not the majesty of True Detective? That when we started yeah. watching the first episode of True Detective, we knew there was going to be a natural end and they've mm. done the right thing by they, bringing it back with different characters, different stories. Yeah, I, I like that idea, but they're getting more into that kind of anthology television in America um, anyway. But in, in that case, in the case of True Detective, the first one was for six episodes. The second one, which... Okay, I've only I've only seen the uh, the trailer, but it looks very impressive. And uh, by the way, Colin Farrell seems to he, he seems to be on the on the verge of I won't say the kind of success that Matthew McConaughey had, but he's he's in Cannes with a movie called The Lobster, which but Lobster, which has been getting rave reviews, and he's the lead in it. And uh, a lot of people are. There's a lot of buzz about his performance um, in True Detective. Again, that, that that's an eight-episode series that will run from the 22nd of June, and it'll run. Th- actually, that might answer your question to some extent. You're looking for something else to go on to. Well, that's yeah. back on. That's on, on the 22nd, I say, of June. Andy and Kilkenny has a suggestion: Loving Bloodline on Netflix. I've seen yes. that. I, I yeah. don't know what it's about, though. What is it? Well, I, I haven't seen it, and uh, but I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and we've had some uh, we've had some emails and texts about it. So um, uh, it, uh, some people like it anyway. So, uh, well, we might give it a go. Ruth in Dublin yeah. says Jane the Virgin is quite good if you're looking for a bit of escapism. That always worries me when people talk about <laughs> escapism because that means it's it's a bit mind numbing, and you you just mm. sit there in the vegetative state watching mm. it. She also says Daredevil is good on Netflix. I tried one episode of that, didn't like it. Yeah. 
Has, has anyone I want to try Gotham? I think our producer Mark um, likes Gotham. And well, he I, likes I, all sorts of weird yeah, stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, isn't well, it? And I, I, uh, I've heard, but I've heard other people actually. I didn't expect much from it, but I've heard a lot of people whose views I'd respect actually saying that it's quite good. You know, so Empire on E4. Yes, says Jack. Is, what, is that a good one? Well, yeah, okay. Um, it's it's a it's an it's about an African American family and this um, this father who's built up this company, um, a kind of a record type company about him. Uh, I think he's, he, I'm not sure if he's going to die, but he has some, he has some um, illness anyway, and he has three sons, and it's basically he's trying to find, it's almost Shakespearean, I suppose, in that regard. He's trying to find out who who he should leave the company to. And uh, w- one of the things that ha- happened, I saw two episodes, and one of the things that had happened was that his wife, who'd gone into, put in prison, I think, for something like 17 years, she was just getting out, and it looked like she was going to cause problems. Uh, now, the, what, one of the things that annoys me um, about these kind of shows... I, I, well, is, thank God, not much annoys you, but yeah, go no, on. Yeah, but, 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 but the, the amount of bling that people wear... I, I, it's they overdo they they overdo the costume side uh, and it attracts. I always always think anyway that it attracts attention to the fact that people are acting. You know that that this is put on and uh, I'd prefer if that didn't happen. If at all times, I I I would I would suggest in the cinema and on TV is play it down, understate it. You know, mm. at least in Cavantini says Philip, I'm a big fan of yours. So the text has started well, but seriously, <laughs> that's the silliest thing that you've ever said in relation to Mad. Men. Downton covered a whole decade, as mm. did the West Wing. No, that, Both no, were no. far superior to Mad Men, particularly the West Wing. The, the, I, I, we, we've been talking about the West Wing for for decades here on this show, and I, I absolutely love it. But I did it cover it. Well, I suppose it did cover best part of a decade. And what, but what I what I mean, uh, Reed Downton is Downton actually jumped from period to period. This actually seemed to be developing in a kind of uh, sequential kind of way that made sense. Where aspects, really strong aspects of American history. How did how did Downton jump from period to period? I know, no, didn't, no, of no, the no, First World but, War, then it went into the twenties. It's perfectly chronological. No, no, no. Well, it's chronologically, I think, in a loose kind of way. It went from the sinking of the Titanic in whatever it was, nineteen twelve. It jumped ahead then. We got a little bit of the First World War, and then we were um, on the verge. A little uh, bit of the First World that's War. That's what we got. Five episodes. No, that's what we got. I, I don't know. We got five episodes, but, but even if even if it was referred to in five episodes, that's not what I mean. What I mean is we got little sort of stretches from the first. There was no real. I mean, this was an appalling, absolutely appalling war, and we got no real sort of sense at all of. Uh, I think anyway. Well, they uh, were in a country house in England, so that's probably what. No, no, no. They were supposed like. to be at the front. Jonathan. Oh, that, that's actually true. There was yeah. there were scenes at the front that were yeah. a little bit anodyne. Uh, Garrett says, Bloodline's worth sticking with. Starts slow but grips you from around episode five. I don't think I could be bothered waiting until episode five before things get going. Yeah, well, there are How a lot of people who would. I mean, uh, you know, um, Breaking Bad, for instance, a lot of people could sort that of That took say, a while. That's yeah, true. That, that did it, take a while. It, it to didn't get, get there until about the eighth episode, you know, so... Um, um, Sean in Cove says, how about the Danish show 1854 on BBC4 last Sunday? Yeah. Wonderful production. Yeah, I was, it's, is it, yeah, BBC4, as you say. Um, I, I read an article in, I think it was the culture section of the Sunday Times or something about it, and it sounded very, very promising, I have to say. Uh, Dusty says, don't waste your time on Empire and Bloodline. Please advise your listeners to go out and walk rather than watch this crap. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, good man, Dusty. Jason mm. says, tried the Flash, great fun, superhero mm. antics. And uh, yeah, the, did my, you just... my, yeah, my problem about the, about that is that we have so much superhero stuff at the moment, Jonathan. You know, it's all over the cinema. And, but they're uh, running out of superheroes, credible ones. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, essentially there's a kind of limited amount that you can do with superheroes. But the thing is, um, Disney bought uh, Marvel Comics for whatever it was, four point four billion, and they bought uh, hundreds of uh, heroes of all kinds. And I recently I saw there was a convention. There's a, a, an annual convention in Las Vegas at which the uh, film companies present their wares, what's coming up to uh, to the exhibitors in America. And uh, the Disney one um, a couple of weeks ago, they, they laid out this range of stuff that they had up to 2020. And an awful lot of it was Marvel stuff, was, you know, ca- yeah. more Captain America, more Iron Man. Um, and, and then uh, uh, people like Ant-Man that we haven't seen, you know, so. Right, OK. Never a huge fan of Ant-Man myself. Um, no. I have to say, Hook is obviously, he may have lost his voice, but he's clearly texting. Did you just compare Empire to King Lear, Jesus, says the text. Doesn't say who it's I said, from, no, I assume I, it's George. I, I, no, he actually saw the King Lear reference somewhere else now. Uh, oh, because right, okay. because I've seen it in several places. I said it's almost Shakespearean. So oh, I stick that in your pipe and smoke it, yeah. listener. Um, is Fortitude worth a look? Asked Chris in Wexford. I watched the first three and again yeah. like that. I, I just got bored with it. Get into it. Yeah, yeah I got bored yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the issue. Yeah, um, but again, that's co- that's coming back. By the way. Okay, well, so it's obviously going to go on. Uh, two listeners are saying Elementary is good. Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah, I t- could I just say I saw um, a, a lovely movie this morning called Mr. Holmes. And uh, as you know, with the Holmes, uh, there's, there's, there's this big sort of fascination with Sherlock Holmes again. But he tends to be played as a younger character. Cumberbatch plays him as a younger character. And in Johnny Lee Miller plays him as a younger character in Elementary. But this was this he's played by in this film, which is opening uh, next month. He's played by Ian McKellen. And uh, he, it's basically a Sherlock Holmes on his last case. And it's it, he's in it. Laura Linney is in it. There's a lovely young actor called Milo, Milo Parker in it. And it's incredibly well done. It's gorgeous. And, and it, it, OK, as I said, it's coming out next month, middle of the summer. And it's counter-programming, I think, with all these big things like Mission Impossible um, and, and Ant-Man and various others coming out. It's, it's, it's counter-programming to the nth degree. And I have to say, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. I, I didn't actually catch you when you were on with George last week, so I presume you discussed it then. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. I have seen nothing but positive reviews mm. about this. Mm. It's it. probably a, a film, like I would have seen the original Mad Max, wouldn't have been overly gone and mm. it was, you know, it was a dystopian world, yada, yada. But fr- from what I've read, yeah. the second, this, is, this uh, is in a different league. Yeah, of those three, um, uh, of the first three Mad Maxes, the second one, um, um, uh, Road Warrior, uh, with Mel Gibson playing the, the title character, that's the best of them as far as I, uh, the best of those first three. But this, it, this is wonderful. I mean, it's nonstop action. It's a chase movie, and it, it he doesn't use um, he doesn't use a lot of CGI. It's actually stunt work, and so it's real in that regard. And it carries you. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. I think it's 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 one of the best action movies in in the last I don't know ten years anyway. 
Yeah, but that definitely it's going to be one I'm going to go toddle along to see. There were two new releases you, you want to talk about. Uh, the first one is, is Poltergeist a remake? Because yeah, Poltergeist. Obviously, there was the original Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah Polter- scared the crap out of me as a child. Yeah, well, it was quite good, actually. Yeah, it's Poltergeist that dates, I think, from about 1982. Uh, it was written by Steven Spielberg, and it was directed by a guy called Toby Hooper. And Toby Hooper's main kind of claim to game fame was that he did the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But he did a very nice version, I think, well, uh, nice is probably the wrong word, but a very effective version of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Uh, David Soul was in it, do you remember? And James Mason, you don't remember it? Oh, I, yeah, yes, and, vaguely, vaguely. And Anyway, that's the guy. And uh, Okay, so they did, um, they did Poltergeist, and it was quite a controversial movie at the time because Spielberg was accused of interfering and basically trying to take it over. Uh, but it was a success, and then there were two uh, sequels to it. Now, this is a rebooted uh, version of it, and it's, it's basically the same thing. The story of um, this family that moves to the suburbs and uh, the house they move into is haunted, and I won't say any more than that for various reasons. Um, okay. It's but not. No, but, but hang on a second. Yeah. The most important thing for a movie like this mm. is that it's scary. I watched The Enfield Haunting, which on paper Did you like should it? have been a scary. T- I, 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 I endured it. It didn't mm. scare me, it didn't frighten me. It just didn't. It just wasn't what I expected it to be. If I went to see Poltergeist, would I lie awake at night wondering yeah, the, the, well, if something could moved I, in the If room? I could just say this, this to you quickly, an awful lot. We've been getting an awful lot of uh, horror movies, of ghost stories uh, lately. They're all kind of small scale. They're all, uh, and, and this one actually has. Uh, it's made by Twentieth Century Fox. Uh, it has a bigger budget than you usually get, but it hasn't made the budget I think work for it. So it's it's not it's not anything unusual. There's nothing in it that you really scare the pants off you. Okay, we, we'll ignore that one. Then Tomorrowland. Okay. What's that about? Tomorrowland is apparently I've ne- I've never been to Disneyland, but there's a, an exhibit in Disneyland called Tomorrowland, and it's 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 what it does is it looks at the future possibilities um, of mankind. And this is uh, Disney has been trying for years. They did it successfully with Pirates of the Caribbean to make their exhibits, to make their uh, Disneyland <laughs> exhibits into movies, and they've tried it with this. And it's basically it's about. Um, uh, two kids. Uh, okay, if uh, one part of it is set in the past in the early sixties, and it's about this this young fella um, who turns up at the New York's World's Fair, and he has a, he has this backpack which which helps him which helps him to fly, which he's trying to perfect. And so there's that, and uh, then there's a, a young girl um, uh, whose father works in NASA. Her name is Casey, and. Uh, so uh, NASA is scaling back its program, uh, its space program, and because she wants to explore the universe and because she doesn't want her father, who's an engineer, uh, to lose his job, she uh, is kind of campaigning against it. So it's about how these two kids, one uh, at a grown-up stage, come, to come together. This, uh, it sounds terrible. Is it, it terrible? It's, it's poor. I think it's poor. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I kind of got that from the yeah, way you yeah. were trying to sell it hard and, there, but yeah, you weren't and, quite getting but, there. But it's about, it's a very sort of Disney-esque. And one of the inter- one interesting thing about it is that I've never heard before of uh, of a movie studio actually doing uh, a movie that's based on the studios. Maybe you could say that's that's the case with all of them, but in a very kind of overt way, that's based on the 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 company's values, and that's what they do with this kind of with oh, this okay. Disney story here. So, but what didn't they do that as well with the the the, the 
the uh, what you call it, the Julie Andrews, that, that movie that they were about the woman who wrote the book um, for yes. forgive me now, I've yes. yeah. What was yeah. that again? What was the film? And yes. Please help me. Come uh, on, for uh, you're, you're the expert. It's, it's uh, I'll, I'll, you've thrown me now. <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, Anyway, Julie... It, it, yeah, it's, it's, Ju- yeah, that one. Anyway, yeah. they did that with that as well. Uh, just a couple of more listener comments. Uh, Friday Night Lights is the winner, says Cormac. Um, the kids well, but that's going back. You know, that's, that's going back, going back yeah. yeah. We're talking about new ones. Bloodline's really good, says Tom and Limerick. Hugely atmospheric. Uh, give it a go. Underbelly on Netflix is amazing, says uh, oh. Liam in Cork as well. And There's the a lot Babadook, of Netflix fans out there, yeah. Yeah, a lot of Netflix fans. The Babadook, a frightening Australian oh, film. Oh, loved Have you it. seen that one? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's really okay. good. And again, that's a, that's a basic sort of ghost story. Um, could, could I just say before we go, go on, the, the music you, is playing yes, yes, like the Oscars at the end come on we, go. The, the picture show is at 8 o'clock this weekend and we'll have a uh, I, I expect the results of the Cannes Film Festival will be out at that stage and we'll have uh, we'll have the results we'll have the okay, results that, that shameless plug for your programme will lead to a shameless plug for my programme I'm shameless. back <laughs> we are to be fair 